Hey everybody, it's your friendly neighborhood editor Eli here. Just wanted to drop in and say that this episode has a lot of spoilers for Infinity War, for Deadpool 2, and Incredibles 2. So if you have not seen any of those movies, you should probably pause this right now and go see them or wait to listen to this until after you see them. You don't have to watch them right now. But you have been warned. If you don't care about spoilers or you don't plan on seeing them or you have already seen them, then we hope you enjoy this episode of Sacred Cows Tonight. See ya. The year is 2015. The American president was Barack Obama. We have no idea who the Canadian president was. Princess Charlotte of Cambridge was born, and Leonard Nimoy, Christopher Lee, and Terry Pratchett were still alive for part of the year. Also, a small podcast about movie nostalgia hit the internet for the first time. Now, in the year 2065, stay tuned for a show 50 years in the making. It's Sacred Cows Tonight, 50th Anniversary Special. Starring Mike and Pete, with special guests, Eli, Veronica Lovecraft, a swarm of sentient nanobots, and Adam Bash. And now your hosts, Mike and Pete. Thank you, thank you, and welcome to the 50th anniversary special of Sacred Cows Tonight. Earth Edition. What's that? Uh, I thought it was worth noting that the Earth Edition of Sacred Cows Tonight is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Well, I wasn't even going to mention that. The Mars version spun off almost 15 years ago. Yeah, lousy splitters. Anyway, we've got a great show for you tonight to celebrate all of our long years on the internet, holonet, and briefly, primetime TV right after Ellen. Yeah, and I'm happy to say that tonight we look and sound just as good as we did back when we started in 2015. That's largely due to all of the advances in stem cell technology over the past 20 years. Not that I'm complaining. Well, I mean, there were a couple notable hiccups, like how I accidentally was a baby again for a while. Yeah, that was a wacky couple of shows. All right, before we go on, I'd like to take a moment for us to remember our co-host for many years, the dearly departed, disembodied voice guy. Wait, Dearly Departed? I hadn't heard about that. I thought Disembodied Voice Guy just took a job on another podcast. A crappier one, of course. That's just what I told you to spare your feelings. After all, you were only six at the time. Yeah, but I was in my 30s again by the next week. Moving right along, let's bring up our first guest to reminisce about some golden moments from our show's long history. First up, we have longtime friend of the show and editor, Eli. Sir, Eli seems to be running a little late. Oh, never mind, here he is. Hey, I'm sorry, guys. The Hyperloop was running a little late around Chicago. Oh, uh, tectonic activity? It was mole people. Well, thanks for being on the show, Eli. Would you care to share your favorite Sacred Cows Tonight memory with us? Uh, Why, certainly. I think it was sometime during the late 2030s. The The Robo-Reagan years. Right. And there was that huge scandal where your co-host, Disembodied Voice Guy was caught gun-running for that mechanical old Gipper. And I think we all know what happened then. Yeah. No, I'm still very unclear about what happened to Disembodied Voice Guy. Well, we won't speak of it here. Why not? Thanks for sharing that fun memory with us, Eli. 
My pleasure, guys. Wait, wait, that was his favorite memory from the show? What about the time we stole that Sports Illustrated swimsuit tour bus and got up to our eyeballs? And... Next up is an esteemed multiple guest of the show. Please welcome... Veronica. Hi, everyone. Hey there. Say, you've got a few more arms since last time I saw you. Like, three more. Good observation, Pete. I'm up to ten arms now. <laughs> My, that's impressive. But what does one do with ten arms? What doesn't one do with ten arms? I don't know, maybe not have enough brain power to appropriately manipulate them all? Now, now, Pete. Let's not belittle our guests' questionable surgical choices. So, Veronica. do you have any fun memories from Sacred Cows tonight that you would like to tell us all about? Why, yes, I believe I do. Do you remember that one time I was on the show? I feel like it was way back in the day. Maybe 2025, 26. Oh, geez, I think I know where she's going with this. Well, you'll recall that Europe was buying up bits and pieces of America. And I lived in New Italy. But it just so happened that your neck of the woods became New Moldova. Well, there's only one thing to say about that. What we always used to say in old New Moldova. Viata este terribila. Thanks for that great memory. Okay, our sentient swarm of nanobots seems to have come down with something. I'd say they're scattered motionless all over the floor. I guess that's what I've been stepping on all this time. In any case, let's welcome our third and final human guest. Adam Bash. That's formerly human guest Mike. My mistake. Sorry, I forgot how 2050s of me. It's okay. We're all still getting used to it. We have ascended far beyond your human comprehension after transitioning to a fully post-cellular technosona. You may think you hear my voice, but it is nothing but a simulation of the waveform you have been trained to recognize as my voice. By descrambling my antimatter array and disengaging my lithium countercharge accelerator, I can even simulate a realistic laugh. Aha. Aha. But alas... I digress. Right. <clears throat> so, um, we've heard a lot of fun stories about sacred cows tonight throughout the years tonight. Have you got one to add to the bunch? Yes, I have one of particular interest. Remember that old co-host of yours? Disembodied voice guy. The one who... Yes, we remember him. Mike, let him finish telling us what happened to him. Well, anyway... He's me! <laughs> ah! What the? Did you? Did he? Yes! yes! How weird. We were both having the exact same dream. And even weirder, we both fell asleep while we were supposed to be recording our 50th anniversary show. Dumbasses. This is the 50th episode show, not the 50th anniversary show. Wait, it is? What year is it? Well, that depends. Do you mean Earth year, Venus year, or Mars year? <laughs> the look on your faces, it's mid-2018. Now get your butts in front of those microphones, and let's record this damn thing so I can go home and do something more interesting. Like watching paint dry! <laughs> uh, you know, now that he mentions it, 50 episodes does sound more likely than 50 years. I suppose. Anyway, here comes Eli. Hey, uh, sorry guys, the stupid Hyperloop was late again. Well, that's okay. Wait, what? (laughs) 
Sacred Cows Tonight with your hosts, Mike and Pete, featuring Disembodied Voice Guy, with special guest, Eli Ramsey, featuring the Sacred Cows Tonight band. And now welcome your hosts, Mike and Pete. Thanks, Thanks Disembodied Voice Guy. guy. Say, disembodied voice guy. Yes, Pete? Well, I've been feeling a bit existential lately. Sounds annoying. I don't know, I think it's normal to have these kinds of thoughts. I meant annoying for me. Okay. Anyway, I was wondering if you could share your unique perspective on the meaning of life. You mean, from someone who's dead? Are you dead? Who knows? I just like to say things like that from time to time. Anyway, I like to try to live my life like every day could be my last. Again, be bold, be beautiful, be absolutely, unapologetically yourself in every way. Because remember, life is about weathering the storms and learning how to dance in the rain. Wow, that was that was not at all what I expected. I'm still waiting for the punchline. Pete, I am hurt that you doubt my sincerity. Here I am trying to be real with you, and you accuse me of just setting up a joke. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I I didn't know you had such a positive philosophy on life. I really apologize. (laughs) I had you going. The only thing I love more than making people feel dread is making them feel remorse, followed by dread. You son of a... A what? A son of a what? Etruscan? Keep guessing, shit. Welcome to Sacred Cows Tonight. I'm Mike. I'm Pete. And we have with us special guest, our editor, the wonderful Eli. Hey guys, uh, I wasn't sure if you were actually going to say my name or if this was just like a punked scenario where you're going to be like, and we have our very special guest, no one. And then Some, I'm going to be like, all right. Somebody well. else. <laughs> but Eli's here too. Yeah. <laughs> and that Eli guy, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, Eli, uh, how you been? I've been good. Um, just uh, listening to a bunch of podcasts, watching movies, you know, hanging out. That's, uh, that's uh, a movie, guys, that could be on the docket for today's topic of superhero movies. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about Avengers, Deadpool 2, and The Incredibles, but we'll also be talking about uh, superhero movies in general, and the MCU, and the X-Men. So, Eli... Marvel stuff. Obviously, we got to give you your time to promote uh, whatever things that you'd like to promote today, so what do you want to talk about? Oh, man. Um, well, since the last time I was on, I have added more things to my repertoire. Um... So I'm on a actual play podcast called Hoof and Sword. Uh, it is set in the My Little Pony universe using the Tales of Equestria system. Um, and we just have fun. Um, we kind of go on missions and stuff. We do spend a lot of time meandering and not doing much. Uh, but it's really fun. However, probably not something you should listen to with your kids. 
Um, we are all very crass, and it has a lot of adult humor. Um, I am also on the Lost Library podcast on two feeds, um, one of which hasn't been released yet. Uh, another one was sort of like a one-shot thing, and those episodes dropped, uh, but they're very good. Um, the other shows that are also on that feed are very good. I'm on the SHU podcast. Well, okay. The, there are many places to get some Eli action uh, this this time in place. It sounds like four different things you're working on. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. It's good. It's good. Well, thank you for sharing with us yes. and uh, with everybody that's listening. And uh, yeah, go uh, pick your podcast uh, choice or listen to all of them from Eli. It's all good. I'd prefer if you listen to all of them, personally, selfishly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, let's talk superheroes. So I think let's let's have a fun thing here. And, you know, uh, we don't really have a a first exposure thing since we're talking about three different uh, movies and the whole superhero universe. So let's just say, um, what is your most memorable superhero movie memory. And let's start with our guest, of course, Eli. I think it would probably be going to see the first Iron Man back in 2008, opening night. Uh, It was me and all my friends. We all like crowded into a theater. We were hanging out. And I just remember being blown away by the movie. It was so good. And like 10 years later, it, that, that moment of seeing, these characters that I've been reading their comics for a while on screen, larger than life. Like I remember when I first heard about the Iron Man movie and that Robert Downey Jr. was going to be playing them. I was like, well, I don't think, you know, I mean, I'm going to go see it cause I'm a comic book nerd, but I don't know if Robert Downey Jr. is right for the part. And he just nailed it. Um, and now I can't imagine anyone else playing that role besides him. And that's true of all of the actors that the MCU has put in these roles. Okay. No, that's a, that's a good movie. And I, I can relate to the Iron Man thing. I remember people standing up in the theaters clapping when I saw that. And I, I guess I joined mm-hmm. in too, but it was such a surprise. Well, Pete, do you want to go next? Yeah, why not? Uh, so, I, of course, I was always a very big DC fan. So Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all of them. Uh, of course, grew up with the Batman movies. Those were fantastic. I think the Marvel movies were absolute shit. Uh, in the Daredevil era, the late 90s, early 2000s, everything before the MCU was just a pile of garbage. garbage. I had given up on comic book movies. And uh, for a long time, actually... And then the first one I saw in the MCU was actually Thor, the mighty freaking Thor. And oh, yeah, let me tell you, Thor is awesome on so many different levels. I liked that the movie was not trying to be too serious. I don't know if I'd even call the Batman Begins series a comic book movie series. It's more like this gritty, like, you know, crime drama type of a thing. Yeah. But Thor is a comic book movie. Bright primary colors, cocky, you know, not washed out, very cool superhero. So to this day, definitely uh, my favorite of all the Marvel 
heroes is the mighty Thor. And it's thanks to that first movie that I saw. So that's my memory. Mike, tell us about your uh, favorite comic superhero memory. I think this is where, like, man, you've just taken my stuff down a peg because I think I was, uh, I was going to, well, I'm going to talk about The Dark Knight. Um, you know, I've, I was always thrilled with Batman Begins. Um, I didn't see it right away. I ended up seeing it uh, a couple months later, I think, um, after it came out. And I just remember that, uh, you know, I was so pumped after I saw it that time, and then I watched it a bunch on DVDs that the, the Dark Knight was coming. And um, I always loved the idea of, like Pete said, a gritty, realistic take, you know, semi-realistic take on superheroes. So I liked mm-hmm. the idea that this Batman um, was grounded in reality. And so I loved this, the silly, small things like, uh, you know, the fact that in the second movie, like, it's really hard to move my head, you know, uh, so then they, you know, he's like, okay, we'll fix that. Well, you know, and then suddenly, you know, his armor changed to, so he could move better and things like that. Cause you know, he's getting injured and different, different practical things that were taking place with it. Um, and then, you know, just the dark Knight being, uh, you know, just a, a really good thriller movie, chase movie. I mean, it, it was that it was, you know, it was, to me, it was just a good movie in general, yes, but it was a good superhero movie because it was, you know, all about, you know, order versus chaos and, you know, all those different big themes, but tackled down to a small level. Hope versus um, lack of hope, you know, that, those things. So mm-hmm. I think it sold that very well. Um, and it was, it was... I think I, I I do feel like those are excellent movies, Mike, and it's okay for Batman to be gritty, but uh, when it came to Man of Steel, yes, uh, Superman does not need to be gritty. Mm-hmm. He's a Boy Scout, you know. Let's stop with the gray blue suit and the rust red and like goldenrod, you know, emblem. No, anyway, go on. Mike. Well, uh, <laughs> I guess it was big enough. I mean, The Dark Knight was a big enough movie. It was one of these uh, the very first superhero movie mega hits where. You know, mm-hmm. there was enough people that, you know, before we're like, ah, superhero movies are silly. Superhero movies are stupid. And then, like, this was enough plausibility in these movies that it got people that that um, traditionally don't like the fantastical um, to watch something with a superhero in it and, and actually like it. And, you know, I, I remember... Um, you know, watching this with somebody who doesn't like that kind of things, but like, like crime, crime dramas, which Pete pointed out. And like, they were like, yeah, this is really good. The Joker, you know, played dumb, but he was a really smart villain. And, you know, the way that it was done, you know, was all right there. So I think that kind of I felt like that movie sort of um, paved the way for a lot of acceptance of the rest of superhero movies along with Iron Man. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, those Dark Knight movies were also coming hot on the tail of, like, Ang Lee's Hulk and uh, that kind of crapola. So, you know, that definitely helped. That's, I think that's, a, that's enough for our memories. So, which of these three movies do we want to tackle first? Eli, it is your episode, so you get to decide. Yeah, so let's uh, start with Avengers, and then, so let's start with uh, the oldest to newest. 
like Eli said at the beginning of the show, if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War or any of the other movies that uh, we're talking about in this show, maybe go see them first, uh, unless you don't care about spoilers, in which case we're going to spoil the hell out of it. Who's going to do the 10,000-foot view? Uh, If you'd like, I can. We often offer it to our guests, so uh, please feel free. Yeah. So, uh, Avengers Infinity War is the culmination of 10 years of movie making uh, that pits the heretofore seen only really in the background Thanos against all of the heroes of our universe. Thanos is trying and succeeds in collecting all of the Infinity Stones and effectively wipes out half of the universe's population with a snap of his fingers. Which, by the way, that's an excellent 10,000-foot view. Yes. I couldn't believe it when that happened. I could not (laughs) believe it. I understand that this is part of the damned comics, but I haven't read those. There, nerd cred, gone. I probably never had it. Anyway, I was just like, what? Like, in the theater aloud. I was like... That's been, and I think the, the family of small children behind me, I was like, what was this father thinking? This family of small children behind me were all like, they can't end the movie like that. That's a sad ending. What are they doing? And I'm like, no freaking shit, kid. God damn it. Oh, yeah. So anyway. So um, there were like, like tweets and things posted to the internet about parents who were upset with how the movie ended because they then had to explain to like their kid how death works or something like that. And it was like, it was, it was a whole thing. Uh, like, well, you took your kids to a PG 13. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. But yeah, okay. no, I, uh, I knew what was coming, but because I also keep up with like the announcements of like the movies that are coming out in the future. Yeah, me too. Um, I had a different impact for that moment. So yeah, for me, uh, I agree. I had a different impact on that moment because I'm like, you know, they announced a sequel to Black Panther. You know, they announced a sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, yeah. You know that Avengers well, Four is coming out next it. year, <laughs> and the originally was called. I don't think that I don't think that anybody thought that those characters were perma dead, but it's just like what a horrible, cl- you know, note to end on. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that might be controversial. Do it. I wanted it to be more depressing. You wanted it to be more depressed. Yeah, like I felt I wanted to leave the theater with no hope. Like feeling crushed? Yeah, just feeling crushed and I don't know. I just I wanted to be more depressed walking out of that theater and and maybe it's because I'm the type of consumer I am and I like keep up with movie announcements and all that kind of stuff. And, and the cynic in me is like, well, they're just going to reverse all this in the first 10 minutes or something. But I just, I had hoped that this movie would just crush me to my core. And I didn't leave feeling that way. Well, I'll tell you what, Eli, it came as a surprise to me and I didn't want to feel more depressed than (laughs) I did when I left the theater. I understand how comic books work. It's all going to be undone, but that's not how I was feeling when it first happened. And and that's completely fair. And I'm not I'm not trying to say that I, I want to take that, you know, that feeling away from anyone who went and saw it and enjoyed it. I just for me personally, I wanted more depression. 
<laughs> I get you. I, You're just like disembodied voice guy. I just I just want to bring despair to him. Yeah, I I wanted. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, no, no. I'm, I'm, I I understand what you mean. It it feels like that would be appropriate for. Yeah, for the, I don't know about you guys, but I, I heard this body voice guy is trying out for Avengers Four. So, you know. Oh right, right. I I really there was people clapping and in my theater at the end of the movie because they maybe have seen it more than once, but I felt like. Uh, I felt like knowing that I came in, knowing what's you know going to happen later. I felt like this was well executed. Like I, I got, I felt like I got hit in the feels when you know uh, Spider Man went and like you know I feel mm-hmm. you know I feel sick, Mister Stark or whatever he says. You know, I enjoyed the movie. However, there are things I didn't like about it. I didn't like that they basically undid. Everything that Thor Ragnarok set up for Thor yes. as a character, because Thor went through this whole thing of the powers inside me, I can be an effective leader, and 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 following on his own path that was similar to his father's, and they undid all that. They gave him a new weapon, gave mm-hmm. him a new eye, like give him a new eye. Well, not to mention the whole purpose of the end of Thor Ragnarok was to get all of the refugees off of Asgard. Only to find that Thanos's ship has destroyed all of their, you know, yeah. escape ships, you know, mo- like moments into the movie. Yeah. So, like, yeah, literally everything that happened in Thor Ragnarok was for nothing. To be honest, Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite movies in the MCU now. Like, I agree. Since it's been on Netflix, I've probably watched it three times. And it and, was excellent in the theater, and I've, yeah. I've been watching it as well. Yeah, it was very good. Um. I just I, I I thought it was really good. Um, there are things that have come out since Avengers: Infinity War came out, where like the directors or James Gunn has been like, "Oh, hey, this is what was going on during this scene." Such as Groot's last words were um, calling out for his dad mm-hmm. as he was looking directly at Rocket. So like he was he was screaming for his dad to save him, and then he died, mm-hmm. and like. Because of uh, and and because of Peter Parker's spider sense, he felt himself being turned to dust before it happened. So he knew what was going on. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is great, but it's hard to incorporate that emotional toll that those things bring if you find out months after the movies come out and 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 those things aren't hit. In the moment. Right. I suppose that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Good thought. It adds to the experience after the theater part is over. Yeah. But and, not during. and, and I, I, you know, I understand that specifically those two things, there is no good seamless way to include that information into the movie without it feeling clunky and without it ripping people out of the moment. I just, I wish that emotional weight, that additional emotional weight had been there. I felt like this was a, a puzzle to be unpacked a bit, too, with all of the, mm-hmm. you know, things that were happening during the movie. And um, I, I, I remember this is another movie where I went down a wiki hole and I'm like, OK, so th- what did this mean in this scene? What did this mean in this scene? You know, what kinds of things am I seeing? Is what I'm thinking about actually happening here? Uh, you know, stuff about the soul stone, stuff about... Uh, 
you know, the, the time stone stuff about Dr. Strange. And, you know, if you know about the comics, mm-hmm. Dr. Strange, whenever he uses the uh, infinity stone to go forward in time, he is never wrong <laughs> about, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, he, his plan is exactly what is happening. The only one that can succeed, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it doesn't mean that they don't sure. have to go through some when crap to get the there. time turner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody has to die so they can actually save the universe, basically, uh, which is a you know a very normal Doctor Strange thing. But uh, but yes, again, mm-hmm. again, comic book people that would only know that, or people that are slightly familiar with those characters, um, or that went down a wiki hole, you know. So I didn't go down any wiki holes on this one, but I will say that I think the movie was made much, much more enjoyable by the inclusion of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I thought that they added a uh, maybe a more of the humoristic elements in a rather dark movie, and I do like to giggle when mm-hmm. I'm feeling like things are rather dire. Uh, I wasn't sure how those characters would really mesh with the other heroes, because I really think of them as like totally different sort of but um they work together very well i thought uh dude from parks and rec and thor played off each other very well yeah you mean peter quill that's his name (laughs) yeah peter quill yep that's the one (laughs) star lord was a dick the whole movie as soon as he saw thor he's like who is this good looking hunk of a man who's in my space you know and you're right i just felt like usually he's like cooler than that in the guardian movies I like how he described him. He's like, he's looking for Thor and he's like, you know, big guy, not that good looking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know, but, um, (laughs) so what do we think was cool about this? I think we've, we've got Eli, you've got your gripes, I guess. Um, what do we think was cool? What did you like? Anytime Thor is on the screen. I mean, I liked them bringing back a lot of stuff, like, especially when, um, you know, Thanos and Gamora go to get the soul stone and the guardian of it is the red skull who we haven't seen since captain America, the first since Avenger. captain America. That one. Is very yeah. cool. right? And so just, there are a lot of like really, you know, cool nods, really cool character moments, um, that I really enjoyed. I always enjoy seeing Peter Dinklage <laughs> and I especially enjoy him playing a character where his stature is not really, material to the character mm-hmm. in this case a large you know dwarf slash giant yeah. type of a creature i love that i'm thinking of x-men days of future past where it absolutely does not matter one little bit that he is you know yep. three foot eight or whatever he's definitely the villain in that movie yes yeah oh yeah i think he was an angry birds too as the big bald eagle but anyway <laughs> he just has a great voice in general <clears throat> He's a, he's excellent. So I always enjoy seeing him. And of course, that was part of Thor's little plot line, mm-hmm. which anytime Thor's on the screen is good footage. See, basically. I'm wondering if um, and this isn't mine, obviously, but I'm wondering with the whole Thor plot line, if if their goal was to not say that Thor was any less powerful than he was at the end of Ragnarok, uh, but that he's still, you know, Thanos is this much more powerful because obviously Thor can or uh, the Hulk got his ass kicked by uh uh thanos as well um and that the the hammer Mm -hmm. just amplifies his already badassness because like he's just when he comes in later in the movie 
he comes in, he's just wrecking shop, you know. Yeah. Hundreds of guys at once he go when he swings his hammer. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the Dragon Ball Z thing. Everybody's power level is getting into the millions, but it doesn't matter because something bigger and worse keeps coming along and they're like, you know, pansies again, basically. No, like, you know, any good villain thinks that they are do like any good villain in in writing, you know, like in a movie or in a story or something like that, thinks that they're the good guy, basically. And Thanos definitely thinks that he's the hero of this story. And that's something that the MCU has got right the last couple of movies. This one, Black Panther, where you can see the point of view of the villain and you can empathize with what they're thinking. Their execution is bad and they're doing bad things. I think Thanos' point of view would have been more effective to me if we had gotten to see more of the stuff on Titan. Yes. Rather than just like a, you know, very quick, oh, the reality stone shows what Titan was before and then it goes away. Like, show more of that stuff that was, you know, going on that led to the destruction And then that way it makes more sense to the audience of, oh, he's making a valid point because even, you know, this one planet killing half the people, yeah, seems drastic, but it would have made more sense. But because we didn't really get that and it was more just exposition of him talking about it, I don't know, I I felt like that lessened the potential impact Thanos could have had and... And also lessen some of the the feelings the audience could have put there to relate to him. Makes sense. I think so. I I feel like despite being a well thought out movie and you know the action and and philosophy and all that being uh, well crafted, it was rushed because they had a lot of things to cram in. Yeah. To the movie, it was like a cap cap three all over again where they were trying to. Stack the the roster basically. See, I personally enjoyed Cap Three, but Cap I and and I'm also one of those people who, when they announced that the Hobbit was being expanded from two movies to three movies, well, when they announced the Hobbit was going to be two movies, I thought to myself, that's potentially too much. And then when they said exp- they're going to expand it to three, I was like, no, I'm not going to see it because that's they're just doing that to to get more money. I think I would have preferred uh, like Avengers in uh, to be, for Avengers 3 and 4 to have been a three-part movie that was released, you know, almost back to back to back. Mhm. I can see that. So that you have more time to let it breathe. So like have the first one really focus on Thanos and and the stuff that brought him to where he is today. Have the second movie be Basically, have Infinity War, the movie we got, be the second movie. Ah, and I could see that. And then have the third movie, you know, to wrap everything up. Okay. To undo the mess. Yeah. If you will. But I think that by if 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 they had gone the three movie route, the parts and and the movie we got, while still good, those parts that felt rushed or or that were like, well, you know, maybe they could have done this better that would give them room to breathe and room to be able to explore 
Thanos's crew and 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 give them more. Oh, these are real threats, and if these threats answer to Thanos and consider him more, you know, mm. if if they see him as this being that they need to be subject to, holy shit, Thanos is like the end all be all. Mm-hmm. It's definitely what they were trying to show us with uh, the super badass minions mm-hmm. that were kind of wiping the floor with all the Avengers, mm-hmm. you know, that then like bow down and worship this guy. Mm-hmm. I thought Iron Man's new armor was cool. <laughs> the that was oh yeah, that was awesome. He's got so, he's got something more more and more ridiculously badass every time. What can I? I say? just love that he could turn it into like you know when he's fighting Thanos and stuff at the end there when he's real desperate and everything else has failed after they don't get the gauntlet off and he's using the, uh, you know, the armor's just turning into different things as he's like punching him and stuff like that. Scythe mm-hmm. sends different things and like, yeah, it doesn't touch mm-hmm. him, but it does hurt him. On- That's just Marvel's answer to Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he actually had that armor in, uh, in a previous, you know, in other Iron Man stuff, but, uh, but yeah, it's cool how basically, sure. um, Thanos has to use the gauntlet because he is kind of getting his butt handed to him uh, at the end there, just with the the way that things end up. Or at least mm-hmm. I got that he was having totally. trouble with Tony Stark, at least at the end there. Yes. In fact, he uh, was so impressed, he said he'd let half of humans live mm-hmm. or something like that. I'll let half of your species live. Yeah. So, which is pretty good considering Tony Stark is just the dude wearing a suit. Yeah. What other things do we want to bring up about this? I mean, are you, are you looking forward to the next movie? Um, overall, did you like it? Well, yeah. Well, actually, let's save that for the verdict. Overall, did you like it? But are, are you looking forward and interested in the next movie? Or are you just like, eh? No, I'm often happy to just watch the first half of a two-part series <laughs> and then forget about the second one. I will go see it. I feel like I'm reaching a point, not necessarily of fatigue but being jaded by superhero movies or or just really movies in general um and so i'm hoping that um the next few marvel movies will help bring me out of that um i i wish that there wasn't as long of a wait between them for me i want to see you know avengers infinity war captain marvel Avengers Infinity War 2. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want as the next two movies. Um, but we have to wait a little bit for... Totally. Do you get the feeling that Disney is just employing a market strategy that's just oversaturation with all of their properties right now? Because that's kind of how I feel about Solo. That's how I feel about, like, half the Marvel movies. So I feel this way, especially about like Star Wars movies, and this is off topic, but I was I was talking to a friend of mine, um, and no, Lando wears a cape. It's a hero. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I was super excited for the Force Awakens when it came out, and I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Like, I enjoy the movies, but I'm not. You know, I would not consider myself a quote unquote Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. But I was so excited for The Force Awakens because of the new things they were doing, and it had been so long since a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars story of any kind had been told. 
Mm-hmm. And now we're getting one every year, every six months, like because of the way they're focusing it. And most of them are around these same characters that we've seen stories about, you know, it, it, it feels like too much to me. Um, I, I think the difference between this and the Marvel universe is there are a lot of different character options out there. And I think the problem Marvel has currently, and the reason I feel the way I do is a lot of their story structure is exactly the same, Mm -hmm. regardless of who the hero is. And you can pluck a hero out, put another one in and it's, it doesn't change the story. So I think Disney and Marvel need to be okay with taking what they've established as the form of a superhero movie or, you know, the form of, okay, well, it's, it's this kind of character who is kind of sarcastic, kind of witty, uh, kind of a jerk, Tony Stark, um, Peter Quill, um, Dr. Strange. All of those are basically the same character and like make more personalities Mm -hmm. and, and, and experiment with what they've established so well and they know works now that you're making billions of dollars per movie experiment more like Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther are two of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, And I think Black Panther may be the best movie Marvel has made because they, they did so much different stuff with it like it was not like any other movie we had seen from them up to that point same with thor they they took the typical thing that you would think thor would do threw that out the window and did something off the wall they took a risk and i want to see marvel and disney take more risks well now that they're marching the cash cow to the milking bucket you know twice a year yeah. with two completely different cinematic universes. They, I mean, who knows if they will, mm-hmm. but I, I agree well, it'd be good. I mean, I think the real, the first example of them trying to do something um, different, I guess would have been um, cap winter soldier, right? Where they were yeah. like, let's take cap and yeah. make it a spy movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And really, yeah, well, yeah, there was that cap cap one was, a World War Two movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I mean, I I think that Marvel Cinematic Universe did take a lot of risks. They just happened to take very successful risks, and now they might be <laughs> not as willing to sacrifice their one billion dollars per year for trotting out the same thing that everybody they think. But I, I agree with you, Eli. Yeah. I think there there are some of the movies um, are uh, are samey where you're just like there's. This is the same thing every time. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to imagine that an Ant-Man 2 is going to bring anything innovative to the table, you know, that kind of thing. I will disagree a little bit. I'm excited to see how including the Wasp as a hopefully more integral part of the story, since she is now part of the title, you know, yes. and, yes. and having her be a much bigger role i i kind of want it to be the wasp and ant-man's in it i think if they're going the way they're going because they've announced the black widow movie they've announced um well 
I, I, of course, Black Panther 2, I don't remember everything, but I think, I feel like the people in Marvel are realizing that and that they're kind of wrapping up the story for these set of heroes that they started with and that, you know, the Avengers 4 will be like the, the, the ending for them. I don't think you're going to see necessarily like mm-hmm. Cap and them die or something. They're just going to, you know, retire or, you know, go off to space or I have no idea. It'll be like the last episode of Avengers Assemble where they're just like, okay, we're consultants now, you know. I kind of want one of the core Avengers to die. Just just going to say it. I want Tony or Cap to die. I want that to have a lasting impact on the rest of the universe. Yeah. Um, you know. It'll be Tony Stark. Yeah, it'll be Cap. Probably, yeah. I would, be, I would bet it would be Cap because you can still, I mean... <laughs> Tony Stark can probably just be trotted out here and there to like, you know, give people armor or something like that. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Captain America can give them a, a speech to raise their morale. It, it, I don't know. We, I, I don't know. We've Tony seen Stark, Tony Stark almost killed so many times in these movies, like badly damaged yeah. as a human being. If I were writing it, I want, I would set it 10 years in the future. From the end of this one. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and like Tony is cynical. He has basically given up. And right before the final battle, Cap gives his stereotypical Captain America speech. And, you know, it's written in a way that it seems like it didn't get through to Tony. And so like at the end, Cap's making the final stand. He's about to sacrifice himself and Tony comes in and pushes him out of the way and sacrifices himself instead. And then Cap can continue on to train the, the new origin. heroes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Next class. That's what I want. Yeah. Send in your script. <laughs> They're already filming the other one. It comes out next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you can complain about it on the internet and be like, this is the movie they should have filmed. So now I think is is the time to decide if uh, Avengers Infinity War is sacred. No, bovina sanctum. <laughs> or if it should be put out to pasture. Bovinus excommunicado. All right. So uh, with this, I think, Eli, let's have you go first on this one. On its own, I don't think the movie will be sacred in like 10 years time. However, I think it will be important in the MCU story as a whole. So if, if you are watching the MCU and you want the full story, you need to watch it. However, I don't think in 10 years time, it's going to be one that I personally am still, you know, excited to watch all the time. And one that, you know, friends come over. I'm like, Hey, Let's watch Infinity War. I haven't watched it in a long time. So I, I don't think in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be sacred. All right. Um, I'm going to call this one sacred. Uh, and Eli's basically been over the bases with this thing. It's uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has basically existed to set up the Avengers movie. And then the Avengers movies have been setting this whole 
final conflict up for a long, long time. And it really does feel like an end point for the series. So I say it's sacred because this will be of massive importance for um, basically everything that the Marvel that Marvel has been doing to this point. Uh, after this, it kind of feels like it's just going to be a reboot of sorts. So, yes, this is the shocking conclusion. And trust me, I was shocked. So sacred. Mike, how about you? Okay, um, I say this was sacred, not because of it on its own, because I think if you came in with like no understanding of, of any of the characters up to this point, you would be lost. That would that's that's uh, definitely agreed upon, I think. Um, but because, like uh, you guys said, it is the culmination of the MCU story arc. Um, obviously, Avengers Four will be the the true you know end of this, and I'm pretty sure that like uh, when they have like an MCU box set. That uh, I know there's phases already in this MCU thing, but like this is like the story arc for like if they saw a box set with all the Blu-rays in it, it's going to be up till Avengers 4 is like the one box set. And then there'll be like the next, you know, 10 mm-hmm. years or whatever. The next box. Set. You know, so, yeah, that, that'll be the one thing. So you can it's kind of like a real comic book thing where they're like, you know. Blah, 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 something happens, universe resets, and, you know, something now, you know, some of the characters stayed the same and remember the events of this thing, and some of the characters are different, and, you know, now Cap is actually Bucky, or Cap is actually Falcon, or, you know, whatever. So, and that happens in comic books all the time, because that's where it comes from. So, this will be that 10-year box that, you know, starts with Iron Man, ends with Avengers 4. This is sacred. Do you guys agree that someday there will be no Marvel Cinematic Universe? Do you agree that someday the sun will set on the great Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, yeah. And I'm not just talking about the heat death of the universe. I mean, like, ten years from now. Do you think they're going to go another ten years with the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I think they'll try to. Yeah. I don't know how successful they'll be, but I mean, they have 70 years worth of stories that they can pull from and, and, you know, uh, comics themselves have been going on for so long. Comics have always been around, but there have been long periods of time, even in our lifetime, not maybe not long periods, but there have been periods of time in our own lifetime when you wouldn't make a comic book movie because it was, you know, you were throwing money away, basically. Right. But I think... If the current heads of Disney and Marvel Studios, if if they continue to make the decisions they're making and they train up the next generation who are going to take them, who, who are going to take their place and like to identify good choices when it comes to these movies, I see no reason why they can't either keep adapting storylines from the comics or coming up with new scenarios for these characters and just change who the character is from time to time. You know, Steve Rogers has completely run his course. So you chain, you hand the mantle off for some to someone for a while and then something happens and the old Steve Rogers has, has a new face and they, Mm -hmm. and Steve Rogers comes back as, you know, (laughs) Captain America for a few movies. That's how it happens all the time in comic books, guys. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I just 
I, I'm just wondering, can it exist as an unbroken chain? And and by unbroken, I don't mean uh, that they would, re, you know, have different actors and stuff like that. I mean, it's like, will the Marvel Cinematic Universe someday be, Unprofitable. you know, right, g- just gone? And then maybe another 20 years from now, somebody rediscovers the old storylines and says, eh, you know, we can do these movies, you know, again for a new generation or something. I think it's... I, it's weird to say this, but I think it's uh, with the way they're going um, and trying to be more diverse in things and more in movies, I think it's uh, it's just starting to expand to more people than ever before. I mean, with the success of Black Panther and things like that, uh, which, you mm-hmm. know, people are so going to be looking forward to Black Panther 2 and continuing that and, you know, having... You know, Captain Marvel is the first um, female-headed uh, superhero movie that's completely, you know, she's the title character. It's just her. Um, well, okay, not the first one, but the first one that's probably going to be good because Elektra, not so good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Catwoman yeah. with Halle Berry. Yeah. For the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's mm-hmm. it's the first one for them, and it took them way too long to do that. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, I agree. For some reason, they wouldn't give it to Black Widow. I don't know. I think that they're just getting started, and I hope that they go in some of the more um, interesting, diverse directions that um, the Marvel comics have been going uh, recently. Well, actually, all all comics, I think, from the big two have been going that way. But, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think we said all about all we can say about Avengers um, without being a five-hour podcast. So... Let right. let us move on to uh, let's do the Fox Marvel universe. What do you think? Deadpool two continues the story of Merc with a Mouth um, Wade Wilson as he battles a soldier from the future named Cable who has come back to stop a villain before the villain becomes a villain. That yeah, that's it. Cool. Now I don't have to see it. <laughs> Let's let's start it this way. Deadpool two is less. Uh, it is about the plot. It is a little bit about the plot, but it's mostly about the jokes and and the ways that they can execute them. And I feel like Deadpool two has a completely different theme than than Avengers Infinity War. Uh, obviously, well, I I mean the theme of Deadpool two is about found family. Yes, mm-hmm. or selected family. I think it's also a little bit about failure because of uh, and oh yeah and time travel because <laughs> yeah unlike the first movie Deadpool spends a lot of time failing in doing things in this movie spectacularly <laughs> and those of you who who watched the trailers for this movie and saw the previews of all of the uh, superheroes that were in it that were part of X-Force besides Deadpool got a little bit of a rude awakening, which I thought was hilarious. Yes. Uh, I, I enjoyed all of the X-Force stuff. That was very funny. And uh, I was not, so I was not expecting how they handled X-Force until like right before that scene happened. (laughs) Um, And uh, Pete, are you planning on going to see it, or do you mind if I just spoil, spoil it? Okay. So, for a lot of the movie, they have been, you know, building up this team that uh, um, that, that that they're going to take to, you know, go fight. And 
their first mission, they jump out of the plane and all of the team dies except for Deadpool and Domino. Like huh. they all die. And huh. So <laughs> in I like yeah. grotesque, horrible, wonderful ways. Yes. Even Terry Crews, huh. who's, you know, like a big name in <laughs> yeah. the invisible member of the team was played by Brad Pitt for the one scene that you actually saw them not invisible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. No kidding. It, it was great. I, there was such a laugh in that theater when he dies and then suddenly mm-hmm. becomes visible for half a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Mike, I don't know if this is the appropriate time, but you mentioned that I didn't like Deadpool one. And so I didn't see Deadpool two. Um, what the hell? Why? Th- I understand that Deadpool is clearly probably the most uh, successful of Sony's uh, Fox, Fox, Fox. Sorry, of Fox's uh, comic book films, I should say. But I just didn't. It didn't come together for me. I didn't really understand why everybody was going to the theater and talking about how absolutely wonderful it was. It it felt like it really tried very, very hard to be. V- ultra violent uh ultra mature uh scenes and as funny as possible and it just didn't it felt forced it felt forced to me so i don't know if i really loved it that's fair that is that is completely fair mm-hmm. like it was never as it was never as edgy as it thought it was being it was never as funny as it thought it was being you know so i think one of the reasons why it resonated with fans of, you know, Deadpool is because it was written with love by people who enjoy the character and who who care and understand about the character itself. Um, and then as far as why I think it was popular with the populace at large is because, it, you know, it's it's like I was saying just a few minutes ago, they took a risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they, they, did. they they took so many risks and and it took so long for Fox to make Deadpool because of how risky it was. I mean, it was the first, you know, it, it was the first R-rated superhero movie. It was about a character that is very violent, very crass, very, you know, childish humor, but like sex jokes and dick jokes and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until the test footage leaked and the fans saw it and demanded it that Fox was willing to take that risk. And, I see. and the director and the screenwriters and, you know, the crew didn't back down from the vision they had for the first movie. Okay. Okay. So I, I think that's, I mean, I can respect that. I can respect yeah. that. I think that's why the first one was so popular. I thought that the first one, so to me, the first one was a lot better yes. uh, in that they were constrained by Fox said, we will give you X amount of money. You cannot exceed that. And it was, I mean, for a movie as big as Deadpool became, the budget was tiny. Mm, okay. And so because Deadpool one made so much, they gave more money to Deadpool two. And it, and it didn't force the crew to have to think creatively and strategically in the choices they made for Deadpool 2 like they did for Deadpool 1. 
So I feel like some of the heart was lost in the second one that was there in the first one. I understand that. And that happens so often when a movie becomes successful and gets lots of money mm-hmm. thrown at it. Yeah, for me, I thought there was a lot of funny scenes in it. In it and uh, But it, yeah, you're right. The heart doesn't seem to be as much there as the first one. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like the ending was earned as much. Um, where basically Deadpool finds family um, as, say, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, you know, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, where at the end of that, you're like, clearly, you know, you, you feel like they earned it. And I think the biggest misstep, in my opinion, of Deadpool 2 was that Vanessa got fridged in the first 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, she got killed, and that was the motivating factor for Deadpool to do everything he did. And I'm tired of seeing that sort of story. Wait, Marina Bakkerin just bites it in the she, beginning? Yeah. Well, uh. and we're going to spoil it again. She's resurrected at the end because of time travel and such. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, it Wait. was stupid because... Still, but she became a plot. I honestly place, think I it yeah. would have been it would have been better if she was there the whole time. And you know what they did with her because she was like in the afterlife. Uh, every time Wade would try to kill himself, he would see a bit of the afterlife. But remember, he's Deadpool; he can heal himself, and he heals quickly. So, you know, he would see her, and she'd be like, "No, you didn't do the right thing yet. No, you didn't do the right thing yet." They could have done that whole thing with about like Deadpool learning to become a better person. And stuff with her alive and at home yeah. giving that advice to him, you know, honestly. Yeah, they just that 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 really did burn me. And he could have been trying to be part of the X-Men or something because like, no, I'm gonna be a dad, and so I gotta start to take yeah. some responsibility and and blah blah. Maybe yeah. I should go to the people I think are the most responsible that I know and, and go to I mean that that would have been that simple to change that plot. That is that mm-hmm. is yeah, I totally agree. <clears throat> And also, she's a cool character, and we didn't get to see her do anything cool. <laughs> anyway, I loved Domino. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, no, I I very much did, too. Forget another Deadpool movie. I want a Domino movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just might get one. Pete, if you don't know, Domino's the luckiest character in the Marvel Universe. That's her superpower. Nothing bad. Okay. Can happen to her. She is able to warp the probability of things around her mm-hmm. um, based on, you know, where she looks uh, so that if she is shooting someone, say, for money, uh, she can almost always make the shot because the luck and the probability of it hitting swings in her favor. Mm-hmm. And th- I see. the universe corrects around her to make it happen. Yeah, she's not perfect. If she's not concentrating on something, then she won't do it, you know. But if she's actually focused on it, she's developed that mutant ability such that, you know, in the movie, she's basically kicking ass the whole time. And she goes in a fight, but yeah. But but the plot demands that a character like that fails, you know, at least once for plot reasons. Sort of like how Legolas can't shoot the orc with the torch that's about to blow up the wall but some of the some of the things the stunts that she does there are quite ridiculous and hilarious and it's just like oh mm-hmm. you know you, you can you notice like that she noticed something and then you know 
she's falling from this huge building and then she notices this giant inflatable bear and somehow manages to uh have you know the 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 i don't know the world bend around her to take her so she lands in this and it's completely fine you know <laughs> or even to the point where she's basically uh you know i guess there's a car chase scene where she basically puts a low jack in a, in a steering wheel and then it drives the car perfectly because she looked at it for a few seconds before she goes away it tells lady luck to take the wheel <laughs> you know well it sounds like a playful movie yeah as opposed to uh one that you need to be sitting and figuring out the physics of everything right yeah yeah i think one of the things about the deadpool movies that i do enjoy is that they don't take themselves too seriously. Like they know how ridiculous everything is <laughs> and they go with it. Well, anyway, uh, so Eli, let's do the sacred and Pete can just abstain. Uh, Eli, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, if you'll go first, cause I'm still trying to decide. Okay. I think, uh, Deadpool two, Sacred, but not in like the highest, highest sacred regards. I think it's more of a, if they do a trilogy out of this, I think this will be the lower point and uh, it's still fun. It's just not what the first one was. So the first one's absolutely sacred. This is, eh, yeah, you should see it. It's sacred in, in that way. So I agree with you that the first one is sacred. However... I don't know if I can call this one sacred because if I couldn't call infinity war sacred, which I think was a better made movie Mm -hmm. than Deadpool, then I don't think I can justify saying Deadpool two is sacred. If I didn't say infinity war was, so I'm going to go not sacred. Gotcha. You know what? I'm going to reverse mine. Now you've convinced me. I'm going to say not sacred. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have convinced me that my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I think it's a, so it's definitely a movie that if, if people liked the first one, I will recommend this one to them, but it's not a movie that I will recommend to everyone. Right. Um, and, and, and to me, a sacred movie is something that you would recommend to anyone. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of gratifying to hear both of you say not sacred for this. But after he- hearing you talk, I think Deadpool might be worth a second look for me. So I will, gi- I will be giving this series another shot. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'll probably hate it again, but you know, <laughs> I'll give it another shot. <laughs> All right, well, let's... You know, I, I had to look it up just to make sure I wasn't totally tripping. And, you know, there's people out there like me. Oh, yeah. Like me. Hmm. All right, let's talk about Incredibles 2. And Pete, uh, do you want to do the 10,000 foot view of that? Yeah, uh, you know, there's like this family and they must be like heroes or something, I think. Uh, they wear red spandex and black boots. And I saw a trailer that made it look like maybe they were having some sort oh, of uh, domestic okay. problem. You. Yeah, no, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll do it, Lila. You can't do all three of them. Okay. 
Okay, so Incredibles 2 continues the story of the Parr family exactly where Incredibles 1 left off, like literally in the same spot. And mm-hmm. um, it's basically about the uh, Incredibles trying to bring back superheroes via uh, another, like a rich benefactor. And it turns out that... Um, one of the people that is part of the rich benefactor is trying to uh, sabotage that because they hate superheroes and it's silly. And uh, that ends up being the big bad. This person was posing as, uh, what was it called? The screen slaver. Screen slaver, which can control people with screens. Um, So it's hypnosis. And uh, yeah, they end up, trying to make the heroes look bad by hypnotizing all of them, along with a bunch of new heroes that were introduced. Um, and of course, the big thing of, of all the Incredibles movie is learning how to be um, better superheroes as a family and things. And um, where the first movie was about uh, Mr. Incredible being a hero, they switched the roles and Elastigirl gets to be the main hero and Mr. Incredible gets to stay at home with the kids and sort of learning to appreciate each other as uh you know, a family unit by switching roles and stuff. It's pretty excellent. And of course, at the end, they all come together and, and win. Is that pretty good? Yeah. All right. So I just want to start by saying, I think that this was an excellent film. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that really gives away where I'm going to put this, but um, this was, it was fun. It was well thought out. It was, uh, you got to see basically, um, you know, the superheroes, the Incredibles themselves, as well as new superheroes uh, that are very cleverly done with new powers and uh, sort of expand that whole universe. And I, I loved it. It was, you know, funny and heartwarming and everything. What about you, Eli? I mean, if you want, we can change the format a little bit and do um the verdict first and yeah. then talk about the movie sure. just so uh uh all right uh this movie is sacred um there are some things that I'll talk about after this but um the first one was sacred this one is sacred very good i think everyone should go see it i mean i really do I agree. Sacred and definitely go see it. You want to reward the, the Disney coming back to this well with Pixar after 14 years um, because, you know, the, it was really a quality, quality movie. And I'm not just saying that because of uh, um, I know that when I was reading about Brad Bird saying uh, that, you know, he wanted to do a sequel of The Incredibles for a long time, but he couldn't come up with the story. He, he did wait until he had something like, I think this is good enough to be, you know, an actual sequel worthy of following up. Um, I had another story to tell, um, but also because, you know, dang, it's just well put together, full of love and, and you know, caringness, great acting, great special effects. Um, I have seen that if you have epilepsy issues that you maybe need to be wary of this movie in one particular scene with the under... With uh, screenslavers, yeah. uh, with the uh, screenslaver, uh, there's a lot of uh, bright, quick flashing lights. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, anyone who 
does deal with that does need to be aware. And um, the movie theater that I went to see it at, that was there was a sign posted on the uh, the box office that had that that said, "Hey, if you're going to see The Incredibles two, there is a sequence that um, has." caused people who have epilepsy or any any similar uh, condition to have seizures. So please be aware, please be careful and make your own decision based off this information, yeah. which is good. And that that's the kind of the thing that uh, sometimes it you know is missed and I'm pretty sure that Disney'll f- find a way to make it uh, better for their Blu-ray release probably. <laughs> It's kind of like how they started posting that sign outside of uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi saying, yes, there is a sequence where things are silent in this movie mm-hmm. for a few yeah. seconds or something like that. Yeah, and Only there are no devastating health consequences if you don't. Or that Pokemon right. episode in Japan that got fixed eventually. When I first heard that The Incredibles 2 was coming out and that it was taking place immediately after the first one, I was admittedly kind of down uh, because I wanted to see Dash and Violet grown up doing their own thing and see how the family has progressed over, you know, the 14 years. Like I wanted it to have, I wanted 14 years to have passed just like it did for us. Um But I was pleasantly surprised. Um Like in Toy Story 3, I might add. Yeah. That's kind of how the passage of time went. With yeah, that. but I was pleasantly surprised, and and all of the 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 cast slipped back into those roles perfectly. Um, it it felt they they captured the same fire that they did in the first one, and I say that in a lot of respects. There were a lot of similarities between the two movies. There were a lot of um, jokes and sequences and beats that were almost identical. And that was part of the movie. Uh, whereas the first one focused on how superheroing as the brute, Mr. Incredible did. And there were, you know, several sequences of, of showed how he handled things. The same sequence was done with his wife and showed that she has to think more. She has to, you know, plan more and, and, she was more successful in the public's view because she was able to do things without causing damage. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that, that I loved most about the movie is that at the end, it was about this family being willing to do whatever it takes and sacrifice and do things that make them uncomfortable to support each other. And that was great to see. Yeah, that that I think that's the that's one of the messages of the movie. I mean, the first one is about them like being willing to come out of their shells, and this one is them learning to be a better family. I really liked the um, the inclusion of the other superheroes and how they um, looked up to um, Elastigirl as a, sort of a mentor and everything like that um, before they ended up being used as uh, pawns in the evil schemes of the uh, mm-hmm. screen slaver, but. It was good. It was about, you know, I, I don't know. It just it just felt good to have sort of a mentor thing going in this, too. The twist in the movie, I did see coming for a mile away. And usually that, like, pulls me out of it. 
but I didn't mind it in this because it felt like they were taking all the tropes of, you know, comics and, and other superhero movies and playing with them in a way that they were kind of saying, you know, we know you're probably going to guess this and that's okay. We want you to, but see how we do it sort of differently. See our take on these tropes. And, you know, I, I love Pixar because they're willing to do stuff like that. They're willing to wait 14 years until they have an idea for a story to continue on with these characters that are so loved because the Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie hands down. And it would have been so easy for them to have just made a sequel that didn't have the heart and was just, you know, phoned in because they wanted to make money and, you know, done just here's all the tropes, but we're, you know, it's, it's, this is what you get. And I'm so glad they didn't um, because, you know, I, I felt, I felt like a kid again. I went to see this movie yesterday as of this recording with my dad and it was a great time. Like we both really enjoyed the movie um, and it, it felt, it felt good to be able to go see this movie with him and have it be a whole thing where he and I could just sit and enjoy a movie and talk about it a little bit afterward. Yeah, that, that was definitely a big thing. I, I saw it in a, in a, I think I've talked about this before, our local theater, uh, which is only a one screen thing, usually second run theater. Um, but uh, when they have movies like this, which are usually family oriented movies, or uh, they did the uh, force awakens too. Um, they have them occasionally on the first run and this one they did and the theater was packed and uh, yeah, it was, it was great to see um, all sorts of people there of all ages. And like at the end of the movie, everybody was clapping. They all felt good. And they were talking about how cool, you know, Elastigirl was or how cool, uh, you know, uh, Violet ended up being and, and different things like that. So it, it was, it was great because it's a superhero movie where the kids also can relate to that. Cause two of the superheroes in the movie are kids, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. just so inclusive. Yeah, no, I, like I said, when we were talking about when we were talking about whether or not this movie is sacred or not, I think everyone needs to go see this movie. And as someone who loved the first one and and will watch it any chance I get, while I may not watch the second one as often and I may not love the second one as much as the first, I will definitely be watching this movie over and over and over again. Yeah, I agree. So Pete, uh, when you get a chance do go see it. That's a pretty strong recommendation. I have to say, and I do like what Pixar movies are, you know, they're usually very, very high quality when they do a late following sequel. Mm -hmm. It's thoughtful and, and sometimes even surpasses the original one in many ways. So with that, we'll take a little break and then uh, come back and uh, tell you about what's next. All right, and uh, that 
is our episode on the superhero movies, specifically the three that we talked about. But uh, I think we we talked enough about other superhero movies that I think this kind of calls as uh, qualifies as the superhero show, right, guys? We had to do one eventually. That's right. I think so. Yes, we did. And we, we wrapped up a lot of things here tonight. And speaking of wrapping up things, we have some very important announcements to make. Uh, well, and then very important announcement to make. This will be the final episode of Sacred Cows Tonight. It's over, guys. It's all true. Yes. That's it. Mike, uh, you know, there's been a lot of thought going into this decision Uh to do it and i don't know uh we can just talk about some of those here but you know uh i think everybody who belongs to our listenership understands what a difficult uh how how time consuming uh and and just consuming in general it is to make a podcast uh, a lot goes in right it. and so pete to pete's point about uh you know spending time on things it's it's uh it's one of those things where um, you want to find the work interesting and fulfilling all the time that you're doing it. And, and there's a time when, when most creative people realize they get to the end of uh, what they wanted to do creatively with something. And I think uh, with Sacred Cows Tonight, with all the sketches and all of the um, movie reviews and things, that we've reached that point with our show where we feel like um, we don't know what we want to say uh, next about it. And we kind of want to move on to other creative pursuits. I agree with that, Mike. And, you know, we've had a lot of good times on this show, and certainly we have been proud of the content that we've put out. But, uh, you know, people's interests uh, do tend to shift over time. And while we are all still fans of movies and always will be, uh, again, you you can say enough about a topic eventually and i feel like we have gotten we have gotten there personally so yeah that that is where we're going to leave it i think uh you know we obviously at some point in the future uh, and you know keep following us on social media channels we'll consider doing something else uh, but we have to figure out what that is first mm-hmm so Yes, you can always get in touch with us. I'll be just as active on Twitter as I ever have been. <laughs> you son of a gun. <laughs> okay, but uh, but yeah, we want we want to we want to say thanks to Eli for helping us out with our show so much. Uh, guest starring with us today, but always doing our uh, helping us with our editing and uh, sometimes creative direction uh, with our show. Uh, and you've been a great big help to us. You like, uh, to, to be honest, it has been an honor to work with you all. Um, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, I've loved getting to hang out and chat with you all and just, you know, get to know you. It's It's, it's been great. It's been great. And that, that'll be the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> getting to know us? <laughs> uh, okay, whatever you... Oh, no, I thought you were saying the gift for you all was getting to know me. Oh. Uh, it, it, it is. See, it's one of those two-way yeah. gifts, oh, okay, you know? Yeah. It's like when you when you gift a walkie-talkie, you get to keep one yourself. I, I do think beautiful. I do think you all are getting more out of this deal than I am, but that's another conversation we can have off the air. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, 
<laughs> talk to your agent, right? <laughs> Yikes. You, you want to talk to him about that, Mike? Peace out. <laughs> okay, well, but yes, in all seriousness, uh, thank you so much, Eli. You make us sound better. Well, you do. You all sound good um, by yourselves. I just uh, help bring that out. Um, seriously, the, the amount of stuff I actually have had to cut is very small. Um, there have been episodes where I wanted to leave literally everything in because it has been such good conversation throughout the whole episode. But because of time constraints, I've said, well, I have to cut stuff. So I, because some of it is so egregious and would really, yeah, no, I turn public opinion against, I am, I am trying to save your reputations online. Um, which is a full-time job. You all need I mostly succeeded. You all need personal <laughs> PR directors for both of you. It's uh, it's insane. You uh, so so it, the, if if the listeners could see our chat that we have going on, they would be appalled, just appalled. <laughs> Luckily, they won't. Right? <laughs> right? They won't. Right? Everybody. Okay. Good. I I will never ever ever accidentally post that to Twitter. We deleted at midnight. <laughs> no. Well, in addition to Eli, we also want to thank all of the people who listened, who enjoyed our content and that sort of thing. It really has been great to hear from people that are listening to the show. Um, and uh, we appreciate you all. If you could, if you would like, you can always leave comments in that Sacred Cows pod uh, Twitter uh, account. I don't know if I'm using wrong terminology here, but please Twitter us, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. The Twitter verb, yes. Uh, and that's uh, right. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listened to us over the years, uh, through the ups and downs. Came to GeeklyCon uh, panel last year. Uh, now, surprise! You know why we're not doing a GeeklyCon panel this year? Because uh, uh, yeah, we just want to do something else. We, uh, yeah. But we will see you at GeeklyCon and love to talk to you at GeeklyCon. And, uh, you know, you can ask us, hey, uh, have you figured out what you're doing yet? And we will probably say, not yet. It's too close. No. <laughs> but <laughs> No, I've been too busy drinking and laying in a hammock. It, it, has, it will always be very fond memories, Sacred Cows tonight will always be very fond memories for me. And I appreciate everybody I've gotten to know in the course of working on it. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, good night, everybody, and thanks for listening. Sacred Cows Tonight is a production of Sacred Cows Tonight. Executive producers, Mike and Pete. Sketch portions of this episode were written, edited, and produced by Pete, and performed by Eli, Mike, and Pete. Main portions of the episode are edited by Eli Ramsey. Want to tell us how much you love the show? We'd still love to hear from you on our Twitter, or sacredcows at herooftheweb.com. That's sacredcows.com at heroeoftheweb.com.